Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Curry splitting traffic with the dribble all the way. Reverse spins it up and in. Oh my goodness. Defender on his back. 29 points for number 30. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up, starts now. That's a 4-1 and one road trip for the Golden State Warriors who go into Indiana on the second night of a back-to-back and they blow the doors off the Pacers. Final score, 131-109. to A 4-1 and one road trip where the only loss was an overtime thriller in Atlanta where you were a Steph Curry push shot at the buzzer beater from this being a 5-0 and road trip. But the Warriors, they will certainly take a 4-1 and one trip. I was talking yesterday, the win over Philadelphia last night, that guaranteed a winning road trip, and that by itself felt like a win. But the Warriors, they now go into Indiana on the day of the trade deadline where they didn't really make much noise. They made one trade. Corey Joseph, essentially the last guy off their bench. He's no longer a Warrior. He got bought out by the Pacers, by the way, uh, who were the opponent tonight for the Warriors. That's all the Warriors did, but they said it didn't matter. They didn't need the extra help tonight. They knocked off the Pacers 131-109. to 4-1 and one on the road trip. They've now won five of their last six games, and it's hard to come out of this game. I'm trying to not get too high or too low off just one result, a couple of results, but it's hard to come away from this game without a little bit of some renewed optimism around this team. Things are flowing better. Things look smoother. They're having fun on the court again. You're past the deadline. Maybe some of those nerves that come with deadline day, the, the, leaks, uh, the weeks leading up to the deadline, maybe those nerves are past this team. Things are looking and feeling a little bit better right now. And uh, tonight was one of the Warriors' better wins of the season. When you consider the opponent, when you consider the circumstances of your fifth day, uh, your fifth game in seven nights all on the road, when you consider you're without Clay Thompson, who on his birthday, by the way, happy birthday, Clay did not play because of an illness. You go into Indiana on the back end of a back-to-back against a really good Indiana team. Uh, and you beat them at their own game. You hold them to 109 points. They generally average scoring about 14 points more than that per game, around 123 a game. You hold them to 109. 
Uh, their star guard, star point guard, Tyrese Halliburton, only five points in this entire game. Did not score in the first half. Made just one three-pointer. He did have an 11 assist, but that's what he does. But you only limit him to just five points. A lot to be happy about for the Warriors. Uh, man, a 4-1 and one road trip. And the Warriors now are just a game under 500, 24-25. And, and if you are keeping an eye on the NBA standings, the Warriors, as it stands currently, a half game out of the final, uh, not playoff, but final postseason spot, if you will. Maybe not even postseason. The final non-missing the postseason spot because you have 1-6 through six are playoff seeds and then 7-10 through 10 are the play-in spots. Um, the Warriors are a half game out of the 10th spot. Utah is that 10th spot right now, a half game ahead of the Warriors, and they are currently playing the Phoenix Suns. We'll keep you updated on that score throughout the night here on Warriors. Wrap up on 95-7 the game. The Jazz currently down 18 points in the second quarter. So if that score holds at the end of the night, the Warriors will be tied uh, for 10th place, which uh, means they're sneaking back into the playoff picture. And a big reason why is this 4 and one road trip. So a lot to be happy about for the Warriors tonight. Final score, 131-109. to 109. Uh, And I want to hear from you guys here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Give me a call, 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line. I see the 510 already chiming in. Uh, ever since they traded Corey Joseph, the Warriors are perfect. Technically true, 510. Uh, Corey Joseph gets traded, and the Warriors are 1-0. We'll see if that continues. Don't want to put all the blame on Corey Joseph. There are certainly other players that deserve a share of the blame, uh, but the Warriors uh, have not lost since that move earlier today. And we, will, we will hear a little bit from Mike Dunleavy, Warriors GM, who spoke earlier today before this game about the Warriors' moves or lack thereof at the trade deadline and their belief in this uh, current roster. I'm also keeping an eye on the YouTube chat, as always, here on 95.7 The Game. You can visit it, youtube.com slash 95.7 The Game. The chat is powered by the first NorCal Credit Union. Uh, I see a lot of people chiming in already. Uh, Coffee, Dublin Marge, Conquer Them, My Family, Golden State Warriors, Vera, uh, Ed, Julian, a number of you guys. Sorry if I didn't get to all of you, uh, but there's a lot of optimism in the chat right now. The Warriors are playing good basketball, and tonight, after the slow start offensively last night, In Philadelphia, you only scored 15 points in the first quarter. It was the worst scoring first quarter of the season for the Warriors, tied for the worst scoring quarter of any quarter uh, for the Warriors this season. Uh, Steph Curry only scored last night nine points. He was two of seven from the field. He comes out and just absolutely dominates this game. He scored 42 points. It's his second 40-plus point performance On this road trip, he made 11 threes. His second time on this road trip, making at least 10 threes in a game. Of course, remember, he scored 60 in that overtime loss to Atlanta last Saturday. But he goes 15 for 22 from the field, 11 of 16 from downtown. And he did most of that work early. The first quarter, he was legitimately perfect. He scored 18 points, 6 of 6 from the field. They were all three-pointers. He added 11 more points in the second quarter, made two more threes on three attempts, got himself going in the paint as well. 29 points 
in the first half for Stephen Curry, eight of nine from downtown. Uh, and you, you you could tell that he was feeling it, and the Warriors had a little bit of a lead because he was putting them up uh, early and often in that third quarter. That's when he, he, he lost that hot streak, but he still put up 42 points in total. The Warriors rode him in the first half to the lead at halftime. They were up by 11 after one. It was kind of a slow second quarter, but they still managed to find a way to win that second quarter. They go up by 12 at halftime, and then maybe I mean, you can make a case the third quarter was uh, maybe the most impressive quarter the Warriors have had in this game, maybe on this road trip. Uh, they only scored 25 points. It was a little bit of a grind offensively, um, but the Indiana Pacers, after going by tw- going down by 12 at halftime, at home against a team coming off of a back-to-back who traveled from Philadelphia late last night against a team in the Indiana Pacers who, while they're without Buddy Heald because they traded him away earlier today, and their acquisition at the deadline, Doug McDermott, not yet with the team. So you're without a a key piece, and you didn't get anything in return for that just yet. Um, But you're a well-rested team. You've been sleeping at home in, in your own beds. You've been gearing up for this game for a little bit. Uh, and you get down by 12 at halftime. All right, shrug it off. You come back out in the third quarter. This is the highest-scoring team in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton consistently having you know double-doubles with 30 points and 10 or more assists. And, all right, let's get rolling a little bit. Let's get running. Let's get out in transition. Let's figure things out. And they only score 18 points in the third quarter. The Warriors also buckled down defensively in this game. Again, one of, if not the best offensive team in the NBA. They scored 109. We were talking about this last night. If you take a look at the Warriors' uh, last handful of games now, again, they're 4-1 on this road trip. Uh, They've won five of their last six games. Go all the way back to the start of that stretch. So now in the Warriors, uh, let's see, the Warriors' last six games, points allowed. Points allowed for the Warriors in their last six games, 107, 101, 141 in that overtime loss to Atlanta, 98, 104, and 109. So in the Warriors' last six games, they've held opponents under 110 points in five of them. That's getting to be a a decent chunk of, of games and a decent sample for the Warriors. Now, I'm not saying that this is suddenly an elite defensive team, um, but if you leave this game only thinking of of Stephen Curry's 42-point performance, uh, and that certainly is the first thing that comes to mind because it was a classic Stephen Curry game. Uh, What he did in that first quarter, again, was incredible. Six for six from the field. All of them were three-pointers. Wasn't quite a career high for Curry threes in a single quarter. He made seven in one corner. It was against... Uh, Washington in the first quarter back in 2016. Uh, So not quite a a personal record for Steph, but up there, one of the best quarters of his career. Um, And that's obviously going to take a lot of uh, the headlines. But what this Warrior team did defensively in this game as well, I think deserves a lot of credit. And then, you know, aside from Steph, who really did a ton of his work in the first half, 29 of his 42 in the first half, how about the others and just contributions from up and down the roster? Kaminga didn't get, quite get to 20 points. Uh, he had 18 points. He was efficient, 9 of 16 from the field. Wiggins played a nice balanced game again, 11 points, 5 of 10, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. He had a steal as well. Draymond Green had 8, 8, and 5, also a couple of steals. Brandon Pajemski starting in place of Clay Thompson, 9 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a couple of steals as well. And then the bench, Guy Santos, a career night, 13. 
13 points and 8 rebounds, both career highs. He made two three-pointers. Dario Saric was in double figures with 11. Lester Quinones chipped in 6 off the bench. Also 5 rebounds and 5 assists for Quinones. Trace Jackson Davis had some nice run at the end back in the state of Indiana. And the Pacers fans in the final handful of minutes of this game once they realized that the Pacers weren't going to win this game, the only thing they began to care about was seeing Trace Jackson Davis, who attended Indiana uh, as a collegiate athlete and got to return to that state, a great basketball state, and got in at the end and had some nice run towards the end as well. So contributions everywhere for the Warriors in this game, uh, and it was really, really impressive to see and to see it come uh, at this moment. Uh, where the Warriors, again, are on the back end of a back-to-back. It's their fifth game in seven nights, all on the road. Uh, and they managed to not just earn a win, uh, but they kind of do it going away. I mean, they they controlled this game from the jump. They led by 11 after one, uh, and it, might, it dipped to around maybe five or six midway through that second quarter. The Warriors closed strong in the second before halftime, pushed it to 12, and then they led by around, like, 17 to 22 points for the rest of the game. It was an impressive showing for the Warriors. All right, just getting started here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you. Want to hear from you guys, 888-957-9570. Is this stretch of Warriors basketball enough to get you feeling a little bit more confident about what this season might hold for the Warriors? Are you beginning to believe just a little bit? I'm not asking you if you if you think this team is now going to make a run to the championship, but has have the last six games, five wins, this road trip, four wins in five games, is it beginning to change your expectations, change your goals at all? Because it felt like, for the most part, the expectations for Warrior fans for this team was down in the dumps. And more on that in a second. But first, I wanted to remind you that you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, because for me, again, it's it's hard to leave this game tonight and watching the way in which they played and not feel a little bit of a renewed optimism for this team. And... It's it's a little bit of what we talked about last night on Warriors Wrap, but before the deadline, um, I always felt, I always felt, actually first, before I get to that, I wanted to uh, highlight a couple of comments here on the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Um, I think This comes from uh, Julian. I think Kerr should see this win tonight after all the trade noise with Clay and Wiggins and, and see them balling in the face of the trade rumors uh, and and thinks that this team plays better without Clay. I'm not sure I'd go that far, Julian, but there is, I think, a a, a statement that we can make about this team post-trade deadline where things just feel a little bit smoother and easier to kind of predict. And what we were talking about last night was I never felt like there was a big trade to be made for the Warriors this season. It just wasn't in the cards. Uh, I mean, I know some of the names that were thrown out there early in the the trade talk. It was Siakam, right, who the Warriors saw today in Indiana. What did Pascal Siakam do today? Uh, 16 points. He had eight rebounds, two assists. Six of 11 shooting, two of four from downtown. Would the Warriors like to have him on their 
uh, team? Of course they would. Of course, Pascal Siakam is a fantastic player, and he would make this Warrior team better. He would make most basketball teams better. You can say the same thing about OG Ananobi, who was acquired by the Knicks. The Knicks, by the way, very busy at the trade deadline, and they might have been uh, one of the, the big winners of, of this deadline season in the NBA. Um, and would the Warriors like to have OG Ananobi? Sure. Some of the other names that were bandied about. Would the Warriors like to have Lowry Markkinen? Yeah, certainly. Maybe more than anybody else. I mean, Markkinen would be a perfect fit on this Warriors team. Um, would you like to have DeJounte Murray, who was also discussed as a potential uh, Warriors acquisition or just a potential piece that was on the block, potentially. He ended up not getting moved. Neither did Lowry Markkinen. Would the Warriors like to have those guys? Of course, they would all make this team better. But what was the cost? The cost for every single one of those guys was going to start and end with Jonathan Kaminga. There was going to be no deal for those guys if the Warriors did not include Jonathan Kaminga. And the Warriors do not want to trade Jonathan Kaminga. They said as much like a month and a half ago when this trade deadline drama even started in the first place and that was before Kaminga's explosion 20 plus points in like nine straight games and he barely missed it today with 18 points and you see him just taking defenders to task whether they're bigger and slower or smaller and quicker but also weaker uh, before any of that so why would the Warriors change their minds suddenly after seeing Kaminga uh, play so well over the last month or so that that made no sense to me. And then you just go into the fact that there aren't a lot of actual key pieces that are even on the block this year. The Warriors aren't going to push something that they don't feel like is a home run. And without home runs out there, what's the plan? Stand pat. And I think what happened last night in Philadelphia with Andrew Wiggins playing uh, a fantastic game, and he continued that again today. Uh, Wiggins was very solid, 11 points. He had four rebounds. He had five assists. He's playing within himself more. With what happened last night, and, and you could see it kind of carry over into, into tonight, but for the sake of this argument, let's focus just on last night, what he did uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers when he had 21 points and 10 rebounds, 9 of 14 from the field, 2 of 3 from downtown. When you factor in what he did last night, the night before the trade deadline, I think it kind of eased the Warriors' fears about what this team could be. Because what what the nightmare is, if you're the Warriors, is you don't do anything. You don't feel like there's a move out there for you. And you keep trotting out Andrew Wiggins. You trot out this version of this team, and Wiggins can't quite turn it around. And then you're just kind of stuck in this uh, middle ground that you don't want to be in. Uh for the rest of the season but Wiggins last night I think opened the door to the possibility that he could get his form back this warrior team around him could fit into their roles a little bit smoother now when Moody uh, pardon me when GP2 and when Chris Paul come back that might be a little more difficult Uh, but with the way that Wiggins has played over the last week or so you can kind of see this team fit together structurally a lot more, and I think that encouraged the Warriors to not pull the trigger on a trade unless they felt like it absolutely was a home run and was going to make their team better, and they could uh, they could swindle a team into acquire, acquiring someone good without having to part with Jonathan Kaminga. Then they'd consider it. But considering how this team has looked 
over the last couple of games, this road trip specifically, I think all of that encouraged the Warriors to say, all right, you know what? We're going to stick with what we got. We'll make a minor move here. Corey Joseph, appreciate your time, but we'll see you later. We're going to save some money there. We like what we're getting from Lester Quinones anyway. Guy Santos had a career night tonight. We will fill the back end of our roster eventually. The Warriors have a couple of weeks. They're under the 14-man minimum. They currently have 13 guys on their full-time roster uh, because Quinones and Santos are on two-way deals. They'll likely convert one of those if they don't go and sign someone on the buyout market, which... They certainly could. Spencer Dinwiddie is available. Robin Lopez is available, at least reportedly. Uh, maybe the Warriors consider one of those guys. But if they don't, uh, Quinones playing well, Guy Santos playing well, maybe the Warriors convert one of their contracts into a fully guaranteed deal. The Warriors save money, and you don't really affect the, the, the team that much because Corey Joseph wasn't getting many minutes. Uh, and when he was getting minutes, you could say that Lester Quinone is currently, Guy Santos currently outperforming him in those minutes. And the other reason why the Warriors thought that was uh, an okay move to make, in fact, a good move to make, uh, was because the Warriors uh, have seen what Brandon Pajemski has done with the ball in his hands as a ball handler. And we've talked about this as well over the last couple of weeks. I feel like what Pajemski has shown as a legitimate point guard, as a true point guard, uh, could lead the Warriors to fewer Corey Joseph minutes because now you have a legitimate ball handler that you can trust. And you have Stephen Curry, and you have, of course, Draymond Green. And when Chris Paul comes back, you have him, and then you have Pajemski. There was really not a role for Curry Joseph anymore. So I think all of that explains the Warriors' moves at the deadline. And given their play recently uh, as a team, Wiggins and Clay, although he was sick today uh, and did not play. Happy birthday to Clay, by the way. It's unfortunate that he didn't get to play on his birthday, but he looked really good last night playing within himself, calm, cool, collected, not forcing much, uh, passing the ball well, rebounding the ball well. This is all kind of, I think, reinforcing um, what the Warriors wanted to happen and, and reinforcing the decision that they made at the trading deadline. All right, let's go back out to the phone lines here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Uh, Mark is in Milbray. He joins the program. If you guys want to get in, give me a call, 888-957-9570. Uh, Mark, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh Really, uh, really impressed uh, on this road trip. I honestly thought they would go two and three, best case scenario, and to uh, prove all of us wrong, especially me, luckily and, and I'm gladly, by the way, to go four and one on this road trip. I'll just tip of the cap to them. Uh, played outstanding. I really thought they would lose this game tonight. I just love the way they came out. They're playing against a an excellent uh, Pacers team, which uh, with a lot of firepower at home. Rested. You're on a back to back without Clay, unfortunately, uh, out tonight. And to, to really, really go out and take it to Indiana like they did, I'm just thoroughly impressed. And especially on the defensive end, to really hold this, this team to, especially a guy like Halliburton, who's having an MPB, MVP season, to basically shut him down in the rest of the offense, which rarely happens in this Pacers team, especially at home. Uh, all in all, man, there's no complaints. Uh, this was just per- outstanding for the Warriors. And Curry was was incredible as usual uh just another what can you say about him another mvp performance tonight but just balance attack as you mentioned uh Kaminga playing another great game and then you got with santos finding finding rhythm uh Sarage, 
just everything coming together. And I hope this is a great sign of things to come because the Warriors play like this, man. They they can start getting rolling, and we know they they can really outside of Denver. I think I give them a good shot to beat anybody in the playoff series. But we got to see this a lot more consistently because, like like we know, they put themselves in such a hole right now that they're still in that playoff run. So if I'm going to be at that Phoenix game on Saturday night, that's going to be a huge test. It's no letdown against a, a team with KD back in town. Uh, that's going to be a major test. But as far as tonight, uh, incredible performance. As far as the trade deadline, we knew it's a minor move. We knew that uh, we knew that uh, the odd man out was going to be uh, released. There, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Forgetting him right now. Well, the guy's got just released. We know he would be the odd man out. I thought Chris Paul, maybe a minor move, but other than that, there was no, nobody available in the market. But uh, tip of the cap is working. Outstanding road trip, and now. Hopefully they find their 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 slot they're striding now into getting rolling right now and uh, hopefully with another test on Saturday night. Thanks for the time, man. Just tip of the cap to the Warriors tonight. Yeah, good call, Mark. And you're you're talking about Corey Joseph, the guy the Warriors just traded to the Pacers. Uh, they also sent cash to Indiana, essentially encouraging Indiana to take on some of that contract to save the Warriors some money. The cash that you pay out to Indiana isn't up against the luxury tax or the Warriors paying some uh, or saving some money by doing that. You don't have to pay tax on the money that you send to another team in a trade. Um, And yeah, and oddly enough, Indiana then bought out Corey Joseph. So he's available on the buyout market. Not that the Warriors are going to go back out and sign him again. Um, But the Pacers weren't really interested in that. They're essentially doing that move for the cash, uh, and they gave the Warriors a second-round pick. They got three second-round picks from Philadelphia, whom they traded Buddy Heald to, uh, and then and then the Pacers turned around and used one of those second-round picks uh, to give to the Warriors, and they also sent one out to the Spurs to get Doug McDermott uh, to come back to Indiana. So essentially a lot of moving pieces. Uh, the Pacers traded uh, Buddy Heald, and they got a net return of one second-round pick and Doug McDermott. So that's the move for the Pacers. The Warriors essentially money-saving move, and I wanted to correct something that I said earlier. I said the Warriors are likely would be looking either on the buyout market or uh, to convert one of their two-way contracts to a fully guaranteed deal. I mentioned Guy Santos as a possibility. Uh, mo- maybe mo- more likely Lester Quinones, but one of the reasons it's more likely Lester Quinones is because Guy Santos is already on a fully guaranteed deal. Shout out to uh, everyone on the YouTube chat for correcting me there. Brought to you by First NorCal Credit Union. Guy Santos is already on a full-time roster spot. Uh, so, so the Warriors, they have two open spots officially. You're allowed to carry up to 15 full-time, fully guaranteed contracts during the regular season in the NBA. And the Warriors, now with the trade of Corey Joseph, have 13. Uh, and the NBA requires you to carry at least 14. So the NBA says you can carry 14 and have an open spot, or you can carry 15 and have them all filled. Uh, You can, though, go under, dip under that 14 threshold for just a little bit of time, say, like this moment exactly, after a trade, uh, and then you could fill up that spot in a little bit. The Warriors might do that on the buyout market. I see some of that buyout talk going on on the uh, YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union already. 
uh, the Warriors could do it as well by converting Lester or yeah Lester Quinones to a fully guaranteed deal. The other two-way players currently for the Warriors are Jerome Robinson and Usman Garuba. Certainly, certainly. Uh, 100% likely that if any of those two-way guys get converted, it would be Lester Quinones and not Robinson or Garuba uh, because Quinones is playing consistent minutes right now and he's looking pretty good uh, in those moments. Now, he's not going to get a ton of minutes, I would imagine, when the Warriors get healthier, uh, when Chris Paul returns and when GP2 returns. Uh, But if we are to circle one guy who uh, would potentially be converted uh, from a two-way to a fully guaranteed deal, it would be Lester Quinones because Santos... Uh, as as uh, the YouTube chat pointed out to me, also as I'm looking at the Comcast Business text line, as the 415 pointed out as well, Guy Santos is already uh, on a guaranteed deal. So the Warriors have a couple of options. The buyout market, which has names such as Spencer Dinwiddie, as Robin Lopez. Uh, there are some others out there as well. Uh, or you convert Lester Quinones, and there you get up to the maximum, or not the maximum, but the minimum 14 fully guaranteed roster spots uh, as mandated by the NBA. And the Warriors like to uh, keep that 15th spot open for flexibility and also to save a little bit of money as well. So I don't think the Warriors will be in any rush, and they might not all season uh, fill up that 15th spot. But they are uh, mandated to fill up that 14th spot by a couple of weeks. Uh, So we will get an answer uh, from the Warriors on that. Uh, in just a little bit of time. All right, back out to the phone lines we go. The Warriors beat the Raptors 131-109. to It's a 4-1 and road trip. The Warriors have now won five of their last six games. If Utah loses in Phoenix tonight or to Phoenix tonight, the Warriors will be tied with the Jazz for the 10th seed in the West, which is that final play-in spot. Uh, so the Warriors with a little bit of a run here over the last uh, couple of weeks, week and a half. Uh, They are sneaking back up in the standings just a little bit. Still a lot of work to do, of course, uh, but a good good step in the right direction here for the Warriors on this road trip. All right, back out to the phones we go, 888-957-9570. Up next is Rich in Fremont. Rich, how you doing on this Thursday evening? What's up? Hey, I'm good, man. It's a Thursday evening for Warriors victory, man. You got to love that. I mean, I looked at the way they play tonight which I wasn't able to watch because I was at work, but um, I listened to it on the radio on 95.7 game, of course. There you go. Um, and I, I loved it, man. It was, it was great play. And, and Stephen Curry, the thing that bothers me about this whole thing is that, you know, you, you, you have this happen with teams sometimes, right? Uh, the coaches, they, 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 they gather, you know, uh, 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 their core players, and then they bring in some pieces, and then they try to get them to meld together to make it work. And sometimes you get teams with slow starts. And I think that's what's happening with Golden State right now. Because now you look at them. Now all of a sudden, they're coming together. They're coming in transition. They're, they're, they're basically playing as a team. And they're playing with joy, which is something that Steve Kerr was saying that he wanted them to do again. And so the most ironic part of all of this is the fact that you have freaking Stephen Curry, okay, playing the way he's playing, and yet – the NBA snubbed him as an all-star. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. But, you know, hey, as long as they can keep, continue to gel and continue to come together and, and, and make a nice run, hey, this team can get into the playoffs. And that's what we all want to see. Thanks, Chief. Yeah, uh, good call, Rich. Uh, it, it is, you're right, like playing with joy. And you can see um, that joy. You can see the happiness. You can see this team enjoying uh, the game a little bit more. And obviously a lot of that comes with, 
winning and it's kind of like the chicken or the egg conversation is this team happy because they're playing well and and they're winning or are they playing well and they're winning because they're playing a little looser and freer and enjoying themselves on the court I think both kind of feed into each other uh, but I think there is also something to be said about this team getting past the hurdle of the trade deadline and I mean it's been the conversation around this team for like two months now like legitimately pre-Christmas I guess Christmas is a little more than a month ago. Like a month and a half ago was when these conversations began. Maybe maybe even a full two months ago, early December, when you started hearing legitimate conversations about, oh, man, this team has got to consider breaking up the core three. Uh, you know, Draymond just got suspended again. We're done with him. Uh, it's over. Don't want to see him in a Warrior uniform again. Clay Thompson is forcing things. Let's get rid of him. Everybody but Steph is on the table, right? Everybody but Steph is on the table. Everybody. Wiggins? Oh, man, get him out of here. That was legitimately the conversation, not just from fans and, you know, follow the YouTube chat here on the all the time on Warriors Twitter, constantly trying to find the pulse of the Warrior fan base. It wasn't just... The Warrior fan base feeling that way. It was legitimate national reporting. Everybody but Steph is on the table. The Warriors are considering everything at the trade deadline. This might be the end of the big three, right? Draymond Green, when he comes back from suspension, well, if he comes back from suspension, you know, is he going to get traded quickly after that? Are the Warriors done with him? Can they trust him again? And I'm, I'm not saying that what Draymond did to get suspended and and what he's done in the past wasn't a bad thing. It certainly was. And he has to earn that trust back from the Warriors. And he's done a pretty darn good job at that lately. Um, But that's where this conversation was. And now the Warriors for better or worse are past the trade deadline and they're intact. And now you can just focus on playing basketball, not having to worry about, if your life is about to get upended, because I mean, let's, let's be honest. These guys are all human beings. They've got lives, they've got families, they've got wives and they've got, you know, parents and they've got kids who, you know, are living their own lives out here. And if you live under the constant, Oh my God, am I about to get a call from Mike Dunleavy or Steve Kerr? And I'm about to be traded after winning a championship here in Wiggins's case, after winning multiple championships here in someone like Kevon Looney's case, after winning four championships here, uh, if you're Clay Thompson, if you're Draymond Green, like that is not an easy thing to live through. And I can only imagine what it feels like. So now that they are through that and you get past the hurdle of the trade deadline, uh, I do think it is a little bit easier for things to kind of fall back into place just a little bit. And speaking of some of the conversations or the the Warriors' general inactivity at the trade deadline, uh, Steph Curry was asked about it uh, post-game. This comes from Anthony Slater on Twitter. Uh, He was asked if he's comfortable with the path the Warriors chose, uh, which is essentially, are you comfortable with your team generally standing pat, not making many moves. You only made one move, and it was at the very end of your bench. And he said yes. Uh, And he also told media, told Anthony Slater and company, our Warriors insider here on 95.7 The Game, that he was aware and privy to the front office conversations, which is no surprise. Of course, the Warriors were going to consult Stephen Curry and run everything past him. Um, But it seems like... it seems like the Warriors are at a point in Steph Curry where you you are confident enough at least 
in what you currently have to just give it give it a real run. And it's not as if that is clearly the best option, clearly the, the thing that should lead the Warriors to more success than anything else. It's just when you consider what the legitimate other option was, it becomes relatively clear that was the best choice. Because the other option was either make some nothing moves here and there like they did with Corey Joseph or move on from Jonathan Kaminga and actually get a legitimate player in the NBA. And in the case of someone like Pascal Siakam, uh, free agent after this year, I don't think the Warriors were willing to take on that kind of risk with a player who's older than Kaminga by quite a bit, uh, maybe maybe more ready and capable to help you win a playoff series now than Kaminga might be, although Kaminga is playing great basketball right now, and Siakam is honestly a decent comp for him, given body type, athleticism, speed, length. Um, maybe you can make an argument there. So there, there was no move to be made for the Warriors, so almost by default, uh, the best path that they had was, all right, stand pat. Hope Wiggins continues to play well. Hope Clay Thompson is able to, as Steve Kerr put it uh, on this station a couple of days ago, adapt to his changed circumstances. Hope that you stay healthy with your key guys, with Steph and Draymond Green. You hope Draymond Green doesn't get suspended again. Uh, you hope that you get GP2 back and Chris Paul back, and they stay at least somewhat healthy. You hope that Kaminga continues to g- develop. You hope that Pajemski continues to play well. You sprinkle in uh, some Trace Jackson Davis, some Guy Santos, some Lester Quinones, and then you see if this team can put together a run, sneak into the playoffs, and win a playoff series. That seems like the most obvious path for the Warriors, and it has for a while. Once it became very clear that the Warriors' non-Kaminga pieces were not going to get them anything of value in return, the Warriors had no choice to make. It was stand pat, aside from some end-of-the-bench moves, and fingers crossed that your veterans start playing better. And they have up to this point. Warriors win in Indiana, 131 to 109. They're now a game under 500, 24 and 25. Uh, they've won four of the five games on this road trip. They've won five of six. Now they fly all the way back across the country to San Francisco. They got the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant is in town on Saturday. We can talk a little bit more about that and the challenges ahead for the Warriors in the final four games before the All Star break. That's coming up on the other side. Also, we will hear from Steve Kerr, who talked to the media postgame. All that and more is coming up as Warriors wrap-up continues. Mark Randy with you after a Warriors win in Indiana, 131-109. to More next on 95.7 The Game. Charrett's waiting as Curry pops off the downstream from Draymond, catches and shoots. Three balls up and good. He knocked down another one. He is seven for seven. 21 points without a miss. 58 to 53 Warriors. Now back to Warriors wrap up on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, that was one of 11 threes that Stephen Curry hit in this one. He ends up scoring 42 points to lead the Warriors to a 131 to 109 win over the Pacers in Indiana to close out a 4 and 1 road trip. The Warriors have now won 5 of their last 6 games. Welcome back into Warriors wrap up on 95-7 the game. Mark Grandy with you. We've been talking a lot about the Warriors uh decisions at the trade deadline, essentially the decisions to stand pat. 
Uh, I will play some Mike Dunleavy for you in just a little bit. Also, we will hear from Steve Kerr. Uh, but can't we marvel about Stephen Curry for just a little bit here? 11 made threes. And uh, how about this for this uh, for this statistic for you? I'm going to scroll down and make sure I, I don't get it wrong. I have it written down here. Uh, Stephen Curry made 11 three-pointers tonight. Uh, the most games in NBA history with 11 or more threes all time. All-time in NBA history. Stephen Curry has now done it 13 different times. 13 times in his NBA career, Steph Curry has made 11 or more threes in a single game. Uh, Clay Thompson and Damian Lillard are tied for the second-most instances. They've each made uh, they've each made 11 or more threes in a single game four different times. And then Zach Levine has made 11 or more threes twice in his NBA career. That is the top four. Steph Curry, 13 times making 11 or more threes in a game. Clay and Damian Lillard, four each, and Zach Levine, two. Steph Curry is lapping the field multiple times. The greatest shooter this game has ever seen, and it's not just that he's a good shooter and he's making shots. It's the degree of difficulty on these shots. I'm watching a replay right now of his, I believe it was his fifth three, uh, his fifth of six in the first quarter. He's just across half court. Uh, and this is where he's made four already. So you know the Pacers are scared, out of their mind. So what do they do? What do they do? They send a double to him as he gets across half court. Dario Saric's man uh, is just completely ignoring him. And he goes out to check Stephen Curry along with Curry's initial and primary defender, Andrew Nemhard. It's Jalen Smith. And they double them just across half court. He's barely inside the logo Dribbling between his legs, step back off of a between-the-legs dribble, and hits a three over two defenders. Like, who does that? Steph, that's who. He does something every single night that leaves you in awe. And I think what has been so frustrating about this season for the Warriors is you still see the greatness from Stephen Curry, but... No one else has really been there to support him on a consistent level. Like, if what what makes this season and what has made this season so difficult for the Warriors and Steph is included. Like you've seen so much frustration from Steph, and it's it's not as if Steph is without blame for some of these losses. I mean, he's had some questionable end of game situations, turnovers, and all of that. But for the most part, I mean, he's. Playing like an all-star, certainly, and he clearly is. He could have been an all-star starter, but he wasn't. Uh, he's certainly playing like an, an all-pro still. He's not going to get much MVP consideration unless this team like loses five games the rest of the year because simply the team is not good enough anymore. But what has made last season and this season so frustrating at times for myself and I think a lot of Warrior fans feel the same way, is Steph is clearly still good enough to win a championship as the number one option. Like, when the Warriors won two years ago, when they beat uh, the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals and then beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals, Steph won his first NBA Finals MVP. He was incredible. Remember that game four where he just willed the Warriors to a win on a nearly got-a-win situation, win or you're down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, and he wills them to that victory? Like, Steph is still that guy. He's still that guy. So what has made last season and this season specifically so frustrating was he's still every bit of that player. He's good enough to win you a championship. 
but it's the others that had been the issue. Like, it would be easier to accept, quote-unquote, the the Warriors' downfall, right, if Steph Curry, age 35, just was falling off of a cliff and wasn't nearly as good as he was two years ago. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. And you can see the heights that he still reaches on a relatively consistent basis, and you get frustrated that the team isn't better because they still have a legitimate number one superstar on their roster. And that's what has been so emotionally freeing and cleansing the last couple of weeks because, and really the last month and a half with Kaminga, but even more recently with Andrew Wiggins playing a little bit better. There's been some up and down from Clay. Kavon Looney's had a nice road trip. It's nice to see that support come back from the others. And tonight was a great others game. Tonight has been a great, was a great others game from really up and down the lineup. I mean, you look at what the Warriors did uh, in this game, up and down the lineup. You got 42 from Stephen Curry, 18 from Kaminga, 13 from Guy Santos, a career high, 11 from Sharich, 11 from Wiggins, 9 from Pajemski, 8 from Draymond Green, 6 from Quinones, 6 from Trace Jackson Davis, 5 from uh, Moses Moody. It was a good, good night for the Warriors and a lot to be happy about. And it is a little bit emotionally freeing uh, to see it. And uh, I see Uncle Looney on the YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Come on. uh, Come on, Curry ain't been peak Curry. Everyone has been an issue. I said that off the jump, Uncle Looney. He's not free of blame. He's cost the Warriors a couple of games down the stretch with some bad turnovers. But the point is, he is still... He has no right being this good at age 35. No right being this good at age 35. And he's still a good enough player to be a number one on the championship team. It's just, uh, at times, he's been asked and been forced to do too much. Uh, and and you can see, I mean, tonight was a different story because he was just incredible. 42 points. He made six threes in the first quarter, eight of nine at halftime. Um, he just had one of those nights. But uh, it is nice to see consistent help and support from elsewhere around the starting lineup for the Warriors and the lineup as a whole for the Warriors here tonight. All right, let's uh, let's hear a little bit from Mike Dunleavy Jr., who addressed the media pregame today after the trade deadline. We were talking about the Warriors' options at the deadline. I argued uh, for the last couple of months now that the Warriors didn't really have much of a move to make unless they wanted to give up Jonathan Kaminga, and they clearly don't want to give up Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, Mike Dunleavy asked why the Warriors did not make a big move. Here is the Warriors' GM uh, addressing the lack of a big move from earlier today addressing the media. There wasn't something out there that we thought could improve our team significantly for the appropriate price. So, you know, for that reason, we more or less decided to stand pat. And, you know, does a part of it happen to be that we still believe in this roster? It's a good, talented group that's starting to play better. And therefore, you know, with get, we, we look at it in some ways as like we're getting CP back, GP back, you know, the emergence of Kaminga, like – we feel like we're getting better and we didn't want to do anything that we felt would be anything rash or an overreaction to anything. While at the same time, you know, I thought we explored some pretty good avenues to make our team better right now and for the future. And, um, you know, sometimes you just don't get over the goal line with that stuff. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on for Mike Dunleavy. Now, he was asked if he thinks this team is currently constructed because that's what he's getting at. He was asked if this team as currently constructed is 
a championship contender. Here's more Dunleavy. You know, we don't have a championship record at this point. And so that's the challenge to get ourselves into the mix and get ourselves, you know, to the play-in or into the, you know, into the tournament is the most important thing. Um, we have championship experience. We have guys that, that have been there and can do it. Um, I think we're capable. Unfortunately, we just haven't played to, to that level to this point in the season. And then the last question here from Dunleavy was, uh, what will it take for this roster, as you said, is not a championship record, but maybe a championship roster. What will it take for this team to become a legitimate contender? Here's more Dunleavy. I think if everybody plays their maximum ability, I think we're there with any team in the league. I think we've shown that, frankly, this year with the games we've been in. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to win those games in a lot of cases. But, um, you know, trains moving the station right now, and we gotta we got to get this thing going. I think everybody feels a sense of urgency. Sense of urgency, and the Warriors have four games left before the All-Star break, and it's not the easiest stretch. You've got Phoenix on Saturday, Utah on the road Monday. It's kind of an interesting schedule. Phoenix at home, off of a five-game road trip. Then you go to Utah on Monday, back home against the Clippers on Wednesday, and then you close out the All-Star break with a home-and-road doubleheader, the Clippers, and then in Utah a week from tonight. And that was the makeup game for the, the game that the Warriors uh, were not able to play in Utah after the tragic passing of assistant coach Dayan Maloyevic. So that's a makeup game, and it kind of adds to the awkward herk- herky-jerky back-and-forth nature uh, of the Warriors' schedule. But Phoenix at home, Utah on the road, Clippers at home, Utah on the road again. And then you've got a week off uh, for the All-Star break. So we'll see if the Warriors can make some hay in this four-game stretch. You've got Phoenix, who's playing much better basketball of late. You look at that game right now. Phoenix is up on Utah by 13 points with a three and a half left in the third. So it looks like Phoenix might uh, earn a win against Utah. That would make the Warriors tied with the Jazz for the 10th spot in the West. Uh, But it also means Phoenix comes in feeling good about themselves for that game on Saturday. Two games against Utah. uh, And as we talked about, those are big because the Warriors are jockeying with Utah right now for the final play-in spot. And then you've got the Clippers, who as recently as I think yesterday were the one seed in the West. Uh, And the top four in the West are very jumbled right now. The Clippers fell from like the one to the four, I think, yesterday at the end of the day. Um, But they are up there with with, uh, one of the best teams in the NBA, and they have been uh, the hottest team in the NBA over the last uh, handful of weeks. So the Clippers playing great basketball as well. All right, we are going to hear from Steve Kerr coming up in just a little bit. But first, back out to the phone lines. Up next is TJ in the city. TJ, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. How you doing, TJ? Hey, man, I'm doing great, especially after this Warriors win. First of all, thank you for taking my call. Um, so I, I just want to, you know, lay a quick one. Maybe this is obvious to a lot of fans. Maybe it's not. But um, so usually the Warriors are not the hottest team to start off the season. Uh, that 73-9 uh, season was uh, was just a, a one-off, I guess you could say. They had a lot of motivation. But um, Clay has never been a hot starter. Um, and the fact that the Warriors are starting to turn it around right before the All-Star break, is a great sign that um, they're heading towards the right direction after the All-Star break. The emergence of Quinones, the emergence of Kaminga, like I mean, not yet the emergence of Quinones, soon to be, hopefully. Uh, the emergence of Kaminga. Um, and one thing that the Warriors seemed to lack at the beginning of the year was the chemistry between Draymond and Kaminga. Like, they just couldn't play together. But now it seems like Kaminga has really gotten uh, the philosophy of Warriors basketball. So, yeah, um, I think if we can manage to close off these next couple of weeks 
um, before the All-Star break with uh, with a winning record or at least a 500 record, I think that's a great sign moving forward. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, yeah, have a great night. And go Warriors. Hell yeah. Yeah, TJ, appreciate the call. Uh, it is It is nice to feel a little bit of positive vibes from this Warrior team for a change because it has been incredibly frustrating this season. Uh, and we talked about last night how tonight was going to be the big test of this road trip. I mean, you had uh, an undermanned Memphis team. Undermanned doesn't even do it justice. Uh, that was a team playing without, like, four of their five best players. John Moran and Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark and all these guys and Marcus Smart, like, so many guys. That should be a win. And the Warriors, uh, comfortable, but they didn't really ever put Memphis away. It wasn't a game in which you came out of it feeling like, all right, like, that was that was they did exactly what they should do. You got to win. That's what you needed, but it wasn't overly impressive considering the opponent. Then you lose uh, in overtime in Atlanta in a game where Steph drops 60, 52 in regulation, and at that moment your thought is kind of like, oh man, here we go again. Like it's a game that the Warriors should have won. Another clutch game. The Warriors can't win these clutch games. They're 16 and 18 in clutch games, uh, and they, they they lose that one. And then you follow it up. Uh, on Monday in Brooklyn, and the Warriors, you kind of struggle offensively. It was a really slow first half scoring the ball, and it kind of stayed that way for much of the game. Steph was the only player that made a three-pointer in that game for the Warriors, but you managed to find a way to win on the backs of your defense. For really the first time all year, you lean on your defense to help you to win a game, and you do. And then you go into Philadelphia playing without Embiid, who's now 4-12 and without Embiid, and you feel like, all right, we should win this game, but the Warriors have... Uh, you've heard this story time and time again from the Warriors all season. You should win this game, and then they find a way to lose it. And they take care of business. They blow out the 76ers in the second half, and you cruise to a victory. You allow Steph to get some rest, Draymond to get some rest, Clay to get some rest, although the Clay rest ended up not mattering because he missed this game with an illness. Uh, in preparation for tonight, the back end of the doubleheader, and you blow out a really good Pacers team in Indiana, your fifth game in seven nights on the road, five different cities on this uh, five-game road trip over the course of seven nights, and you fly back home, winners of five of your last six in a four-in-one trip. Like, it's just nice to have some positive momentum going on for the Warriors right now. And our caller, TJ, talking about, you know, Lester Quinones and all these other guys, and, I mean, I agree with you, TJ, like, Quinones has been really good, and that's why I think the most likely scenario is the Warriors convert him uh, to a fully guaranteed deal, and he fills up that 14th roster spot, and the Warriors probably leave that 15th spot open as they have done for years now. Um, But the reality of the situation, TJ and and everyone else, is once GP2 is back, once CP3 is back, uh, you're probably not going to have a lot of time for Lester Quinones. now, it is nice to have that as a fail-safe to, to fall back on, um, but you're you're probably not going to have a ton of minutes. I mean, when GP2 comes back and when Chris Paul come, comes back, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find any minutes for someone like Moses Moody. Are Chris Paul's minutes going to come at the expense of Brandon Pajemski? Is that what the Warriors want? Are GP2's minutes going to come at the expense of Jonathan Kaminga? Like, that can't possibly happen. Like, where are the minutes going to come from? And when we get when we get stuck in all this talk about to make a trade or to not make a trade, we're, we're always so focused on who you're getting in return. But the Warriors, I think, do have a serious problem when it comes to 
their their roster. And, and Steve Kerr has said time and time again, we're a really deep roster, but that also presents some challenges because you have a number of players who who both, you know, the players themselves and, and maybe you, the coach, Steve Kerr, if we're thinking from his perspective, thinks that all of those guys deserve at least some sort of consistent minutes. Like, you just can't make everybody happy. And Steve Kerr was asked this by Willard and Nibs a couple of days ago. Um, You know, do you get to a point where having too many players that feel like they deserve minutes, can that be a bad thing? And Steve kind of laughed it off and said, well, it's much better than the alternative, not having enough players that deserve minutes. And that's 100% true. But you are getting to a point where you have kind of a fight and a crunch for minutes. And that's what led to the frustration from Jonathan Kaminga. There were even some reports, although not nearly as publicized as the Kaminga frustration, there were even some reports that Moses Moody was frustrated with his lack of a role. Like, who is going to be the disappointed one and the upset one once this team gets healthy again? It sure as hell can't be Jonathan Kaminga. If it is, it's malpractice by the Warriors because he's playing like a star. It's not going to come at the expense of him. Is it going to come at the expense of Pajemski? Are you not going to play Chris Paul much? Are you not going to play GP2 much? Like, GP2 has proven time and time again, when available, he's a winning player for you. So I don't know what the answer is. Uh, But the only part of me that felt like a Warriors trade might happen wasn't because they were going to acquire some star. It was because I felt like they, they needed to pare down the roster just a little bit to make some of these decisions a little bit easier. Um, but ultimately, they didn't do that, and, and we'll see how they play it. Um, I see Uncle Looney on the YouTube chat. Ideally, depth would lead you to versatility, and that is that is the hope. And I feel like there's a little bit more of a likelihood that if your guys that maybe deserve minutes that aren't getting the minutes are someone like Lester Quinones and Guy Santos, you're less likely to get the uh, the frustration and a guy running to the media uh, than you were with someone like a Jonathan Kaminga, right? Because, uh, I mean, Kaminga's frustrations were ultimately proven valid given the way that he's playing. So we'll see how the Warriors do handle it, but that is one thing I would keep an eye on post-deadline with the Warriors not having made a move uh, is how do the minutes, where do the minutes go to once this team gets healthy again? Because we might get Gary Payton the second back on Saturday against the Suns. We might. Um, if not, we'll probably see him at some point before the deadline. Certainly you would imagine he's back when the deadline ends. Maybe Chris Paul is back, or pardon me, not the deadline, but the the All-Star break. Chris Paul might be back at the end of the All-Star break as well. So we will see where the Warriors go, but those returns are are getting pretty close. All right, uh, a little bit more here on Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 the game. Let's uh, hear from Steve Kerr, address the media after the game tonight. Again, a 131-109 Warriors win on the road against the Pacers. It wraps up a 4-1 and road trip. The Warriors have now won five of their last six games, and the Warriors are a game under 524-25. And as it stands right now, they are a half game out of the 10th seed in the West, which is the final play-in spot. The Jazz currently, who hold that half-game lead over the Warriors, 
are losing against the Phoenix Suns as that game, uh, let's see, heads into, let me just refresh here, that Utah-Phoenix game is into the fourth quarter with the Suns up by 19. So unless there is a nice comeback for the Jazz in the fourth, it looks like the Warriors and the Jazz will be tied for the 10th spot in the Western Conference at the end of the night. All right, uh, Steve Kerr addressed the media postgame after this Warriors win and a 4-1 and one road trip. Here is Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. We had a great start to the season and then obviously we had a great start to the season, and then obviously things, you know, kind of went uh, went haywire. But um, this feels like the best version of us, you know, just the, with the starting lineup playing the way they are, um, bringing guys off the bench who are, are giving great energy and effort and, and um, execution. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, definitely a nice run that we're on, and, um, you know, we gotta got to keep, keep carrying it forward. Would you, uh, you talk about, you've been talking about how much the defense Well, um, you know, they average 124 a game, I think, number one scoring team in the league. So to hold them to 109 um, is pretty impressive, uh, especially after that first quarter when we gave up 34. Um, but Steph was um, scalding hot that first quarter. So for us to score 45 and, you know, go into the second quarter with a lead because of his uh, brilliance, uh, we were able to, to get our defense uh, settled, and, and I think we held them to – yeah, 24 in the second, 18 in the third. So that's when we took took uh, control of the game. Earlier in the year, I guess during that six start, we talked about the depth that this team has been. Did you expect it to be kind of at this point now where you're getting the kind of contributions from B and from Lester, even Brandon and Trace that you guys are getting? No, I don't think we knew at the beginning of the season um, how good Brandon uh, was going to be. Uh, we were hoping J.K. would have the breakthrough, um, and he's clearly had it here in the last um, last you know few weeks or month. Um, and then I think, you know, Wiggs has really picked up his game. Um, you know, his defense has been great. Just the way he um, looks on the floor, he's just much more fluid and bouncy. And and the, the group is um, is feeling good. They're, they, you know, they're enjoying um, every game and they're, um, they're connected. And it's just really fun to see. All right, there's Steve Kerr uh, postgame tonight in Indiana. Really fun to see, and I agree with you there, Coach. Um, as we were listening to Steve Kerr there, I was kind of scrolling through some of the YouTube comments that I missed uh, earlier in the show. Shout out to uh, First NorCal Credit Union, our YouTube and Twitch feeds powered by those guys over there, uh, youtube.com slash 957thegame. Um, but I scrolled upon Carmar commenting, uh, the depth hasn't been the Warriors' issue all season. It's the confidence, consistency, and stepping up game in and game out. An underwhelming first five won't do it. It has to be team play. Uh, I think you bring up a good point, Carmar, and you, you kind of get my mind racing and thinking here a little bit. Part of the reason why there was all of that frustration, we talked about Jonathan Kaminga you know, going to Marcus Thompson openly. There was the report in the Chronicle as well. Uh, about his frustration that he had, quote, lost faith in Steve Kerr and that he was thinking about, you know, asking for a trade if things weren't going to change, didn't want to be here. And he, he kind of publicly in, in his next media session, uh, you know, calmed the waters a little bit. But still, the fact that those were out there, 
There is frustration there. Uh, Moses Moody, again, more quietly, but there was a report from Jason Dumas of Cron 4, our friend here at 95.7 The Game, that Moses Moody was also frustrated, or at least Moses Moody's camp was. Part of the reason why I think there was some of that frustration earlier in the season, and it might still happen later in the season, but part of the reason why was because the team was really struggling. Like, you found no footing through the entire season. Wiggins was struggling, but he was still starting. Clay was forcing shots, and he was still starting. And Steve Kerr was unwilling to make a change. And if you're sitting on the bench, and you're Jonathan Kaminga, and you see that in front of you, and you know what you're capable of, maybe you have you inflate your ability a little bit, but Kaminga was obviously proven right, considering how he's been playing the last month, month and a half, almost two months. Um, you're obviously proven like, hey, I can help this team win games because he has. So that's where the frustration comes from. When you have inconsistencies in the, the starting five or the consistent lineups that are being thrown out there, when those units that are consistently given chance after chance after chance, when that's not working, you're left on the bench thinking, well, what the hell do I got to do to get on the court? So I think there's a, a, a reality in which the Warriors start playing better basketball, and although they have a a bunch of players who maybe feel like they deserve more minutes and want to play more and feel like they can help this team win, if that conversation and that feeling is on the backdrop of a successful run of play and the team is winning games and they're climbing the standings and the vibes are good and morale is high, you're not going to feel nearly as frustrated as, say, Jonathan Kaminga was to begin the season. Winning cures a lot of things, and it might cure end-of-bench frustration as well, and I think that's what the Warriors are banking on. It's part of the reason why they decided to not make a move. The big reason is because they didn't want to trade Jonathan Kaminga, and you're not getting anything of value without getting rid of Jonathan Kaminga. But another uh, reason is the Warriors hoping that if they start playing better, they can utilize the depth much better than they did in the first half of the season. And I, I think that is possible for the Warriors at this point of the season uh, because they everyone has been needed at some point this year, and the Warriors are a very old team. There's probably going to be a couple more injuries before the end of the year. Um, you're going to need to continue to fight through things like this. So we'll see uh, where the Warriors go. All right, let's go back out to the phone lines, although first things first, I do want to remind you that you are listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Brett in Walnut Creek wants to join the show. Brett, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. How you doing, Brett? Hey, doing great. Hey, um, I, you know, I had to call an audible on myself. For some reason, my brain was on the 49ers uh, with the, the game this weekend. But but here's what I've really noticed about the Warriors in the last, let's, let's even say seven, eight games, um, is is a an effort and an energy and a, a willingness to say, like, I don't need to be the guy. Um, but I'm going to make sure my other guys are the guys. And I've seen that from – from even Kaminga, when, when when instead of just driving the lane every time, he'll drive the lane hard. Dish, uh, you know, Pazemtsi hustling. Um, so 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 starting to do the things that 
that, you know, I think all of us wanted out of them and wasn't getting. And I think the, the true means of a, of a good coach is understanding that I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do something a little bit different. Uh, I don't want to be so stubborn and steadfast and that my way or the highway. I think Steve Kerr has done a great job of saying, like, you know, wh- wh- what do I need to do? Where do I need to massage the lineup a little bit uh, to, to get the most out of my guys? Um, and, and I think we're starting to see that uh, in, the last, in the last couple of weeks. Even the games they lost, I mean, what, they lost an overtime game to the Lakers, lost a one-point game to the Kings, lose an overtime game when Steph scores 60. Um, I think the young guys are starting to get more confidence, uh, more understanding of that they're not just role players, but they're difference makers. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about where we can go from here. I think it's a big jump to say we're going to get to the sixth spot, but I think we can feel pretty confident that we're going we're gonna to get to the play-in and as you know, anything can happen, and then maybe the veterans come together. Love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you never know. Good call, Brett. Um, yeah, I mean, the sixth seed, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves when we go that far. The Warriors right now, 24-25. and 25. They are five games behind the Pelicans, who are in the sixth seed right now. The top four in the West have, have pulled themselves away from the rest of the pack. Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, and Clippers are all separated by a game. Uh, and then you have the Suns and the Pelicans officially tied for the five, so uh, for the five and then the sixth spot, those two teams. And then you have the Kings only a half game behind, the Mavericks a game behind the Kings, the Lakers two games behind the Mavericks, then the Jazz and the Warriors. And if the Jazz lose tonight, which it looks like they will, the Warriors and the Jazz will be tied for that tenth spot, although the, the Jazz will have, I guess both teams will be exactly 500 or one game under 500. The Jazz have played two more games than the Warriors, uh, so percentage point difference there, but essentially both teams tied a game under 500 for that 10th and final spot. So the Warriors are still looking at a decent gap, and it's not just the size of the gap, it's the teams you have to jump to get there. You're looking at having to jump Utah and the Lakers and the Mavericks and the Kings and the Pelicans or the Suns. Like You have to jump a number of teams. You have to jump five teams to get from where you currently are to the sixth. Uh, it's not going to be easy for the Warriors to do that, but uh, you are right that you you feel the young guys gaining a little bit of confidence, and I I think there's a couple of things you can point to when a when you can feel and see a young player gain confidence, realize all right, I belong here, I I'm built for this kind of stuff, uh, I I know what I'm doing. The game is slowing. That's kind of the cliche that you hear. Like everyone says, oh, the game is slowing down for him, right? But the way that you can see it, at least in my mind, something I like to look for is when a younger player who is playing better makes a mistake, whether it was just a bad decision, uh, you know, they dragged their pivot foot, it's a turnover, whatever it was, a bad foul, uh, you came down when you should have stayed up, stayed up straight up to avoid a foul, whether you, uh, you know, you take a bad shot, whatever the case was. How does a young player respond after a bad play? Do they let it snowball? And does it get worse and worse and worse? And then suddenly you're being taken out of the game because you're losing your team the game. That has happened for Kaminga before. It has happened for Moody before. It is. It happens for every young player. It's just the nature of this league. It's not easy. It's hard. Jonathan Kaminga tonight. There was a moment near the very end of the first quarter. Kaminga committed a turnover. Wasn't a, wasn't a good play. Bad decision for Jonathan Kaminga. But then what does he do after that? The Warriors, they get a stop. 
Sharich posts up, I think from like the left block. Kaminga comes cutting from the opposite corner, the right corner. Perfectly timed cut as Sharich spins into the paint. Sharich dumps it off him. Kaminga, an easy dunk. And then what happens after that? The uh, the Pacers in one of the final possessions of the first quarter. Uh, Kaminga comes over from the weak side off of a block. I think it might have been Nemhard. Kaminga comes from the weak side and swats that ball out of here. An easy block. He responded to a mistake with two very positive plays almost immediately afterward. And you could you can see those plays happen um, multiple times in this game. And it's not just Kaminga. It's, it's Moody and it's Pajemski. Pajemski had a rough stretch. I think it was in the third quarter. Yeah, early in the third quarter, he had a rough stretch. And then what happened? Pajemski got a really strong defensive rebound. Pushed the tempo, found Steph in the corner for a three-pointer. And it's it's how do these young players, after making a mistake, how do they respond? Uh, And are they realizing, all right, that was a mistake. I'm going to live with it. But I know that my process is right. I'm trusting myself. I'm feeling good. I'm going to make the right decision next time. And then you do it. Because too many times we have seen things kind of snowball, not just on the Warriors youngsters, but on everybody when they make a mistake. It's almost like this team at times has been a little emotionally fragile, but they are kind of getting over that at this stage of the season, and I think Kaminga is the perfect example of it. Because while over the last month and a half he's played great, like he has been incredible, not even close. It's the best stretch of his career, bar none, like doubling up any other output productivity he's ever had in his NBA career. It's not like he has played mistake-free basketball, legitimately not made a single mistake in that stretch. He's made mistakes. Everyone does. Steph Curry made a mistake today. Like, it happens. Even when you have your best games, you're not perfect. It's nearly impossible to play a perfect basketball game, let alone a perfect stretch of games. Kaminga has now consistently not let one bad play impact him moving forward. It's like the the cliche for a shooter, and you hear this a lot with Clay Thompson when he's going through shooting struggles. Shooters have the shortest memory in the world. I could have just missed 12 straight shots. I am taking that next one because I'm so confident in myself, I know I'm going to make it. And that's what Kaminga is showcasing um, right now for the Warriors, and it's a big reason why he's playing better and why, as a result, the Warriors have won five of six and they went 4-1 and one on this road trip. So we'll see if they can keep it up. They've got challenges on the horizon. Four games left uh, in the first half of the season for the Warriors. We are officially through the first half. We've played more than 41 games, the Warriors have, which is the halfway point of the season in terms of games. Uh, but the Warriors right now at 24-29, and 29, they've played 49 games. You've got four games left until the All-Star break. Phoenix at home on Saturday. That's going to be a challenge. Utah on the road on Monday, Clippers at home on Wednesday, and then you close out uh, your first half schedule before the All-Star break with another Utah game on the road a week from tonight. So a Clippers at home, Jazz on the, excuse me, Clippers at home, Jazz on the road back-to-back before the All-Star break. That's going to be a tough one, but those are all teams the Warriors are either going to be tied with at the end of the night or that are ahead of the Warriors in the standings in the Western Conference. Uh, Winning... At least the two Utah games would be huge. You go 3-1 and one in this final four-game stretch. You're feeling pretty good about yourselves heading into the All-Star break when the Warriors open things up with a three-game homestand after the All-Star break against the Lakers, the Hornets, 
and the Denver Nuggets. So we got that to look forward to. We've got more Warriors basketball coming up on Saturday. Our last caller shouted out uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, we are two hours, or I did this last night as well. Uh, two days, not 19 hours, not two hours. Two days, 19 hours, and 21 minutes away from kickoff of the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow, of course, here on 95.7 The Game. By the way, a couple of notes now that I, I did bring up football. Um, Christian McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year, official. Um, what else? Lamar Jackson was named MVP. Brock Purdy didn't finish second either, I don't think. I haven't seen the voting. He finishes fourth. Brock Purdy finishes fourth uh, in in the voting. CMC finished third. McCaffrey third in MVP voting. So McCaffrey uh, finished higher than Brock Purdy in the MVP voting, and he was the Offensive Player of the Year. Also, shout-out to Patrick Willis, a Niner great, going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How about that? I'm sure the guys all day tomorrow on a football Friday will be talking about all of that and more, and some Warriors talk as well as the Warriors have now won five of their last six games. All right, that'll do it for us tonight here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. But first, as Sterling reminds me through the glass, we got a couple uh, pieces of business to take care of up first, is extending the three-point line, and for that, who else? I mean, he scored 42 tonight. It's Stephen Curry. Curry dribbles it off the Draymond screen. Another three. There's number 11. 11 threes for Stephen Curry. On Clay Thompson's birthday, and the crowd going crazy. Yeah, there's Stephen Curry. Uh, he was incredible in this game. Made six threes in the first quarter. Made 11 in the game. 42 points for Steph. Uh, easy choice. He's our extending the three-point line. Brought to you by West Coast Men's Health. Successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain. Visit westcoastmenshealth.com today. Steph was incredible. He made one, like, 30-footer just inside the logo. Two guys on him, hand in his face, hit it anyway. He doesn't care. He's Stephen Curry. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He was really good tonight. Uh, he gets our extending the three-point line honor, once again brought to you by West Coast Men's Health. Up next is our hardest worker of the game, which is brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. I feel like I can go a number of ways here. Uh, the Warriors had a number of players in double figures. Of course, Curry had 42, Kaminga 18, uh, Wiggins and Sharich had 11. He had uh, seven rebounds as well from Sharich. But I got to give some love to Guy Santos, the rookie, uh, with career nights twice on this road trip. Set career highs in Brooklyn and now set career highs in both points and rebounds tonight in Indiana. It was Guy Santos, 13 points, 8 rebounds. He made both of the threes that he took in this one tonight. Uh, Guy Santos is really good. Career highs for Guy. He is our hardest worker of the game. Again, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. And the Warriors, a happy flight. A happy flight back to the Bay Area where they gear up for the uh, the Suns. Kevin Durant and company coming to town. Of note, Devin Booker not playing tonight for the Suns. We'll keep an eye on that, see if he plays on Saturday. 
uh, for the Suns against the Warriors. Uh, but that's a conversation for Saturday here on 95.7 The Game. All right, one final time for Sterling Bennett, for Chris O'Connell. Also, shout out Lucas Alexander, who was answering some phones earlier in the show. So <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Sterling says, don't shout out Lucas Alexander. I'll shout him out anyway. Lucas, hope you're listening as you drive home. Drive safe. Uh, my name is Mark Randy. signing off. Thanks so much to all of our YouTubers, the Comcast Business text line, Twitch as well. One final time, the Warriors win. 131 to 109, and they're back home, a game under 500 coming up on Saturday against the Suns. Thanks so much for tuning in, and have a great rest of your Thursday evening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.